From 90.7 WFAE, this is Newsworthy for Monday, February 26, 2024. I'm Eric Thiel. North Carolina will receive $361 million to fund drinking water and clean water infrastructure upgrades. The funding is part of the bipartisan infrastructure law, and nearly half of it will be available through grants or principal forgiveness loans. Senator Tom Tillis said the grant will give communities the tools they need to ensure all North Carolinians have access to clean, safe drinking water. Charlotte City Council will receive an update tonight on the Hornets' plans for Spectrum Center and their new training facility. Tracy Dodson, the city's economic development director, will brief council on updates to the city's agreement with the Hornets. The team last month unveiled $215 million worth of planned upgrades for the city-owned arena. Charlotte City Council voted in 2022 to give the team up to $275 million for its facilities. Council is expected to vote tonight on whether to appropriate nearly $1.3 million to hire a team of 16 civilian crash investigators. Instead of police officers, the investigators would be tasked with investigating vehicle wrecks that involve only property damage. Last year, Charlotte-Mecklenburg police say they responded to nearly 24,000 such crashes. Former Charlotte City Council member Lynn Wheeler, who was one of the best-known local politicians more than two decades after she left office, died Saturday at age 80 after being diagnosed with cancer. Steve Harrison has this report. Wheeler, a Republican, was first elected to council in 1989. She served 14 years. The city was evenly divided politically, and she represented a pro-business, pro-growth agenda. In 2001, Charlotte voters rejected a plan to spend more than $300 million to build an uptown arena, as well as arts and cultural projects. But the city council, led in part by Wheeler, moved forward with building the city-funded Spectrum Center, which opened in 2005. The blowback from the arena decision cost Wheeler her re-election bid in 2003. The decision to build the arena, however, helped the city land a new NBA team after the original Hornets left for New Orleans. And it allowed the city to host the 2012 Democratic National Convention, and be selected for the ultimately curtailed 2020 Republican convention. Steve Harrison, WFAE News. Home sales in the Charlotte region continued their long slump last month. Eli Portillo has details. The number of homes sold in Charlotte dropped almost 5% in January compared to the same month last year. But Canopy, the Charlotte Area Realtor Association, said that's the smallest year-over-year monthly decline in about 18 months, illustrating just how long the market has been slumping. The median sale price fell less than 1%, to about $372,000, even though inventory remains tight. There was one bright spot for sellers, though. The average number of days a house sits on the market is down by five, meaning that despite the overall slump, homes that do sell are selling faster than they were a year ago. Realtor executives say they're hopeful that slightly more moderate mortgage rates, which have stabilized at around 6%, will help spur more demand from buyers in the spring. Eli Portillo, WFAE News. WFAE brought together three leaders to help shape Charlotte's future Thursday night. Catawba Riverkeeper and the head of Daniel Stowe Botanical Garden, John Searby, said he worries Charlotte's development community is moving faster than government agencies and elected officials can enact ways to protect the environment from rapid growth. We've got to get um, some of our policies and our regulations modernized so that we uh, are not in a situation 10 years from now where we're wringing our hands saying, uh, 
I wish we'd have done something 10 years ago. The discussion included CMS Superintendent Crystal Hill and Seal Gonzo, head of Our Bridge, a group that provides programs for immigrant children. You can hear the whole discussion on an upcoming episode of WFAE's Southbound podcast. A follow-up conversation March 28th will look at Charlotte's future from the perspective of planning, land use, and the arts. A series of polls by High Point University's Survey Research Center finds that climate change is a concern among North Carolina residents at a state, federal, and global level. WFDD's Paul Garber reports. High Point researchers have asked North Carolinians about the importance of climate change going back to December 2022. Its most recent poll, released this month, found that 43% of respondents said it was a very important issue for policymakers in Washington to deal with. That ranked just behind abortion and higher than the number of people who considered the war between Israel and Hamas, COVID-19, and the war in Ukraine to be very important. The climate change figure, around the mid-40s, was similar when people were asked to think about it on a scale of global and statewide issues, says political scientist Martin Kiefer of High Point University, the poll's director. And it's relatively consistent in terms of people saying, oh, it's important for this level of government to deal with. There's a relatively steady stream of information about climate change, just like some of these other issues, and people are taking that into account when they assign importance to it as an issue. Kiefer noted that pocketbook issues like inflation and gas prices and security concerns, such as school safety, consistently rank higher than climate change. I'm Paul Garber. Charlotte FC started the Dean Smith era with a win Saturday night, downing New York FC 1-0 in front of 65,000 fans at Bank of America Stadium. A group of CMS students at Olympic High School in southwest Charlotte has created an art exhibit that goes on display today. The exhibit celebrates and highlights African-American resistance and joy through art forms that include poetry and quilting to help commemorate Black History Month. Elvis Menayese caught up with the students while creating their pieces. 15-year-old Charity Fulton sits in a chair with a pen in her hand. She continually nods her head as she waits for the right time, for the right beat, till she opens her mouth. Free me from my mind, they have my hands in a bind. From the earliest time throughout my bloodline, we've been oppressed yet not depressed. They can't take if not given. My happiness, my pride, so motivated, so driven to resent me. For my brand, for how I stand, for how I walk, for how I talk, for that I'm alive, for how I thrive. Fulton says her lyrics are inspired by the late rapper Tupac Shakur. She says she wants the poem to reflect how African Americans have used rhythm and sounds to express their reactions to inequalities, move people to action, and offer hope. So, like, the oppressed, you're not depressed. It's like, show that, yeah, we've been put down, but we're also trying to, like, still keep our head above the water. Um, not focus on all the negative and all the wrongdoing, but still live happily among each other. The art exhibit sprang from a social studies course that includes 16 students, most of whom are African-American or Hispanic. Teacher Ashley Alston says teaching black history can be challenging at times because it involves a lot of pain, but... I've taught the students that throughout that, um, their ancestors and, you know, black people have always resisted the systems of oppression. And part of being able to resist things in the simplest form is keeping your joy and, like, not you know, succumbing to the, the, the psychological aspect of what oppression does to you. 
Olsen says all her students, regardless of their backgrounds, have embraced the project. She was pleased to see one student, Enrique Ruiz, so enthusiastic about pursuing guitarist Jimi Hendrix as an inspiration for his piece. He was like, he's great. Like, I, if you play the guitar, you know who Jimi Hendrix is. So he's challenging himself to, to learn a few chords or hopefully he wants to do a cover in his own style to make it his own. So that's been exciting. The students' projects focus on a range of historic black people, like 1960s singer Nina Simone, artist Jean-Michel Basquiat, and Jackie Robinson, who became Major League Baseball's first African-American player in 1947. Austin says she wants the students to learn about black history and... Look at themselves as being such a beautiful legacy of that history, and just to see that they have so many gifts and talents that have been used for generations to not only express themselves, but to, to resist common expectations for them or, uh, you know, like a narrative about what they can and can't do. 15-year-old Maya Vu quilts together pieces of fabric with images of dogs, cats, bees and footballs. Her quilt is inspired by fiber artist Cynthia Lockhart, specifically her piece called Created to be Me based on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Vu says there's a special meaning behind each image, which is tied to her classmates. Just to represent each of us and how we all come from different backgrounds and we all like different things, but at the end of the day, we're all like a family. She says Lockhart's art inspired her to find a way to get out of her shell and express herself. I like, haven't really had like a place to um, show myself or at like school. So I thought that um, I could really represent myself in a way and show off what I really like to do. The exhibit is on display at Olympic High School until the middle of March. Elvis Menayese, WFA News. Charlotte could make it through another winter without snow, extending a historical streak of snowless days. Tommy Tomlinson, in his On My Mind commentary, wonders about more long-term changes. My wife grew up in Wisconsin. So she's as used to snow as I am to gnats. She and her mom still tell stories about going out on school mornings and their family of five shoveling snow for an hour, going inside for hot chocolate, and going right back out to shovel again. To her, a snow shovel is an essential household tool. A couple of years ago, we bent ours somehow and got rid of it. We haven't bought a new one. Haven't needed to. Charlotte is going through a snow drought unlike anything in the city's recorded history. Official weather records for Charlotte go back to 1878, and there has never been a winter without snow in all 140-some years until the winter of 2022-23. And unless we get snow in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have two winters in a row of something that had never happened even once before. The last day it snowed in Charlotte was January 29th, 2022, more than 750 days ago. Here's how long ago that was. The Carolina Panthers have nine wins since then. Also, five coaches. Now, I know some of you who moved here from Cleveland or Buffalo would just as soon never see snow again. It's part of the reason y'all came down here in the first place. And it's also true that if you've got to have a snow fix, you could drive a couple hours into the mountains most any winter 
and find yourself some powder. But the lack of snow here should be like the lack of noise in a horror movie. When it's too quiet, something bad's about to happen. Now you can stomp your foot over the causes of climate change all you want, but it seems silly at this point to deny that it's happening. Our planet is getting warmer by the year, and the weather is both more unpredictable and more volatile. That affects everything from crop yields to skin cancers to homeowners insurance. And it's likely to be a long-term threat to how we live on this planet. The problem is that it only affects our lives a little at a time. And most of us don't pay much attention to incremental change. It's the classic story of the frog in the bathwater who doesn't sense the temperature slowly rising until it's cooked. What that means for the moment is an unprecedented break in Charlotte's weather history. It also means missing out on the quiet beauty of a snowy evening. But if the heat keeps rising, we're going to miss a lot more than that. Tommy Tomlinson's On My Mind column represents his opinion, not the opinion of WFAE. You can respond to the column in the comment section at WFAE.org. You can also listen to Tommy's podcast, Southbound, where he interviews notable Southerners. It's available at WFAE.org slash Southbound. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And for Monday, February 26th, that's Newsworthy. I'm Eric Thiel.